Uh, some of you may know and some of you may not, my dad is Canadian, so uh, I'm half Canadian and we spent every summer of my youth growing up, we would travel to Canada to see my family. And so um, we, would, we would get in the car and we would make this trip every single year. And it was not like this glamorous, like first class trip. It wasn't, we weren't sitting on the plane getting a Coke and a bag of pretzels or anything like that. We were sitting in the car for like three days and it was just this grueling, awful trip. Um, and my grandma was the one that would lead the trip, but we just, we loved going to Canada every single summer because my great grandma lived there and her house was like the place for us growing up. And we would get there and my cousins were there and the food was good and uh, we, her little cabin was like right on this really beautiful lake and so we would spend the day fishing and we would go out in the paddle boat and there was a little park right next door that we would go and swing in. I mean, we just loved going to her house and every single year we looked forward to it but man, we hated the trip <laughs> to get there. Um, and my grandma was in charge of this trip and she had taken this trip for decades, you know? And so she had her map and she would take it out and you know the map I'm talking about that you have to like unfold it 16 times. And so she'd take it out and she'd every single year, I don't even know why she took the map out. She had the same stops that we took every single year and they were planned. And let me tell you something, you don't mess with her plans, okay? <laughs> like these stops, I'm looking back now as an adult and they were so strategic and so planned, it's so funny. Uh, like one stop, we would stop and we'd get out and stretch our legs and she would give us some water, but she'd say three sips. You get three sips of water. I'm like, okay, like one, two, three, like that's it, you get three sips. But it's because we weren't stopping to go to the bathroom for two and a half more hours. And we can't be stopping for anyone to go to the bathroom. Uh, so, and I wish I was lying about this, but there was a Folgers coffee can in the back of the car. <laughs> Do I need to say anything else about that? Okay, I won't, I won't. Uh, it was empty, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it was there. We were not stopping if you had to go to the bathroom. That's how serious she was about this trip, okay? Uh, and so one stop we would, you know, we had to eat. And she would stop and she'd open the back of the car and she would hand us a piece of bread and just like slap it onto our hand and she would say tuna or peanut butter. And I mean, what do you do? Like, ah, that sounds awful either way. And so we'd, I'd panic, uh, peanut butter, peanut butter. And so she'd put peanut butter, like a lot of it, on this piece of bread and she'd fold it up and give it to you. And that was our, our food for the journey. And so I don't know if you've ever eaten just a peanut butter sandwich. I'm like, my lips are sticking together just thinking about it. Uh, this was not like a condiments type of journey and so there was no mustard, there was no ketchup, there was no mayonnaise or lettuce or tomatoes and there was no jelly, okay? We didn't have time for jelly and so she would just slap peanut butter onto that piece of bread and give it to us and I would spend like two hours in the car. You take a bite in it, you know what I'm talking about, it turns to that wad of dough in your mouth. Yeah, you know, you're shaking your head, you know. And you know it sticks to the roof of your mouth too and so I would be sitting there with my tongue like trying to get it off the roof of my mouth and then I'd finally just take my finger and stick it in there and get it unlodged but 
And it really, it really, it took me like two hours to eat this sandwich. And then I was so tired after eating, I would just fall asleep. And so looking back now as a parent, I'm like, my grandma was a genius, right? <laughs> she was a genius. She, you can't say anything when you have peanut butter sandwich in your mouth. You can't complain. You can't do anything. <laughs> You're trying not to choke and die like the whole time. And then really, we were so tired, we just had to take a nap afterwards. And so... She was real serious about this trip. Um, and I remember one year, I was like maybe eight years old. And you know, you're eight years old and you're in the car for a long time and you have eyes for one thing. And you know what that is? Oh, someone said it. It's the arches. You're looking for the arches everywhere, right? And this was like, we had made this trip a lot and I had never seen a McDonald's ever. And so this must have been a new thing. And so off in the distance, I'm like, I think I see arches. And so, and I'm looking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I see a McDonald's, right? And so I'm watching and watching and the, that yellow little halo just starts getting bigger and bigger and the angels start to sing. And I'm like telling my brother and sister, I'm like, there's a McDonald's. They have chicken nuggets. They have ketchup. They have soda. Oh my gosh, we're getting so excited. And so we're telling my grandma, please, please, can we stop? Please, can we stop? It's McDonald's, it's the arches. And I remember, just watching that McDonald's get close, 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 and we just <laughs> zoomed right past, and there it goes, and I'm like waving to it as we go by, and I'm looking out the rear view as it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and I'm tears rolling down my cheek. Just a little bit of me died that day. <laughs> I mean, this is, it was just a serious, serious trip. You were not gonna mess around with my grandma and her plans. Um, but man, on the end of that third day, when we would pull up to my great-grandmother's house, it was like all those stops, right? And all those steps, everything that we had to go through, those three grueling days, it was all worth it. Because we were where we wanted to be. We were where we were meant to be. We had made it to this destination, to this perfect place. And so, man, that peanut butter sandwich, that was okay, right? It wasn't great, it wasn't glamorous, but it was necessary and it was what we needed. And so we got to where we're going and it just made everything else fall into place. And uh, I think we do this sometimes, it's gonna sound kind of cheesy, but we're all on these journeys, right? And we're on these journeys with our lives and we, we have this destination in mind, right? And if we can just get this place, if we can just achieve this, everything else is gonna fall into place. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe you've, you've said some of these things, I know I've said them, uh, things like, well, if I can just finish school, then everything else will be okay. If I can just get that degree, if I can just get that job, if I can just get married, if I just have a family, if I just buy that house in that neighborhood, if I just get that promotion, what are all of these things? These are destinations that we're putting in our life, right? These are the things that we're saying, if I can just get there, then everything else is gonna fall into place and it's gonna make sense and be worth it. But I wanna tell you this morning that we were never meant to be completely fulfilled by a thing or by uh, some kind of promotion or achievement or even a place in our lives. We were never meant to be fulfilled by things that we can work for and, and achieve on our own. We were always meant for a space and that space has always been in the presence of God. 
And so since the beginning of time, this was God's plan for us to be in his presence, for us to share space with him, for us to live and to rule and to talk with him and walk with him. And man said, no thank you, right? Man said no thanks to that, and so ever since we did that and we left that space, God's been giving each of us this little map. And he's said, you know, for you, you've got these stops along the way. You've got these stops and these steps that you're gonna have to take, but the destination, if we can take those stops and make the steps, is that we get to be in the presence of God. And that's what we were always made for, right? We were always made to be in his presence. Um, And so before we get into anything today, I'm gonna be just sharing some of David's life with you today, but before we start any of that, I just wanna make sure that you know that God's presence was never meant just for a select few people, right? We'll look at David and we'll see this man that they call a man after God's own heart. Like obviously, he was a little different than everybody else, and I think it would be easy for us to say, well, yeah, he's David. Or yeah, that's that's Larry. It would be easy for us to say God's presence is just for a few people or that it's reserved for a select few, but the truth is God's presence is for all of us. It's for you and it's for today, okay? So before we start, I want you to hear that, that that has always been God's purpose and that has always been his plan was for you to be in his presence and for you to share life with him. And so I've been, yes, thank you. I'm gonna tally these up. (laughs) So I've been reading about uh, David lately um, and just studying his life and David is, David was like a normal guy, right? He, he made some mistakes in life. He made some really big mistakes in his life. If we start looking at him, like he was an, an adulterer and he was a liar and he manipulated people and he murdered people. Like he was not, has anybody in here done all of those things? No? Okay. You don't have to raise your hand if you have, but uh, <laughs> we'll all stare at you for a second. Um, no, but David was, was a normal guy, right? He made some mistakes, but he also did a lot of things right. Like he took these steps and he had these practices, I think, in his life. And we look at him and I don't think when I hear David, I don't, I don't first go and think, oh, he was the murderer. And I don't first go and think, oh, the adulterer, David. You know where I go? I think David, the guy that wrote so many Psalms. I think David, the guy that that loved God and honored God and just had this special relationship with God. And so I just wonder, like, what did he do in his life that makes us look at him and see this major spiritual warrior and not just the guy that made a bunch of mistakes just like us? And I think the thing is that David practiced the presence of God. I think he did. I think he had things in his life that he did and habits that he, that he just put in place. And I think he had practices that kept him in the presence of God. And I think that's why he was called a man after God's own heart. And I think that his journey was, was a long one and a hard one. And I think he probably had to eat a peanut butter sandwich every now and then on his journey. You know, he had some things that were tough and some things that were sticky and things that were exhausting that he had to go through. But I think if we can look at his life I think we can learn so much about um, just some practices practices that we can put into place that can help us to get into the presence of God like we were always supposed to. So, you ready? Yeah? Okay, just making sure. 
So the first thing I think David did, I think he gave thanks and praise to God. And I know that he did this because if you just start reading through the Psalms, it's not uncommon for us to see, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. So uh, we, we hear it over and over again. And so just here's a few examples of some of the ways that David just marked his life by giving Uh, praise and thanks to God. In Psalm 100, it says, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good. And Psalm 105, and these are so close together. They're just like back to back. Psalm 105 says, give thanks to the Lord because he has done great things. Psalm 106, give thanks to the Lord. And it says, who has done miracles like this God? Who has done these miracles? So he's just putting God where God belongs, right? In Psalm 107, he says, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he saved me and he's redeemed me. And in Psalm 34, we see that David was just constantly praising. I'll praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly be singing his praises. And so this was David. This was his life. He was constantly just thanking God and praising God. And I think he just knew that he had this amazing gift that God was offering him this relationship with, with himself. And I think David saw like the, the hugeness of this gift and all he could do was just say, thank you. Like, wow, why do I deserve that gift? Why do I get that? And so just in light of who God was and what God was offering him, David says, thank you. Like, that's an amazing gift. Have you ever gotten just like a really good, thoughtful gift, a gift that you're just like, wow, blown away by? Um, For my last birthday, Uh, My daughter, she's five years old. She'll be six tomorrow, actually. So if you see her, she's probably got like a little princess hat on today or something. Uh, She'll be six tomorrow, but she got me this amazing gift for my last birthday. And you know what it was? An ice cream scoop. (laughs) It was the best gift I've gotten in a long time. But let me tell you, like, I like ice cream, but if anybody knows me in this room, you know I love queso. Like, I would more, like, use an ice cream scoop to eat queso than I would to eat ice cream. But here's why it was so special. We were, uh, we've been living with my parents for a while now. We sold our house, and we've been looking for a house in this very fun, exciting housing market that we have. Uh, And so we've been living with my parents, and for whatever reason, they don't have an ice cream scoop in their house. It's probably a Canadian thing, I don't know. Um, so, So I just remember one day scooping ice cream with the spoon, and it's just not the same, right? It just doesn't taste as good, it doesn't look as good. And I just offhandedly said, I wish we had an ice cream scoop. (laughs) And I didn't say it to her. I didn't say it like she should go get me one. But her sweet little brain took that little nugget and put it away. And she just saved it, right? And for the next time she had an opportunity to get me something, she took that out and she knew exactly what I wanted and exactly what I needed. And so I opened this little ice cream scoop and I'm just like overwhelmed. I'm like, wow, this is the most amazing thing I've ever gotten. But it was because she had heard me. She had listened to me. She had spent time with me enough to know something that I wanted and something that I needed. And so this amazing, amazing gift came because of the relationship we have. And all I could say was thank you. And that's, I think, how David felt. He had this relationship with God, and it was so special and so important to him that all he could say was thank you. 
and I'm gonna, I'm gonna praise you with everything I have every single day. And so I think we can learn so much just from David and his life and how he said thanks. You know, we say this to our kids all the time, say thank you, and it's not just because they're supposed to, we want them to actually feel gratitude for things that are good in their lives. So we need to start looking like David did at who God is and what he's offering, and we need to say thank you and praise him for it. The next thing I think David did was um, he would ask and he would obey. And you know what that tastes like? A peanut butter sandwich with a whole lot of peanut butter in it. Uh, I think this one's so hard for us, right? To ask and to obey. And even this is something we struggle with our entire lives. Obeying is not something that I think we're wired to do. It's not something that excites us or gets us really like, ooh, I can't wait to obey today. Um, But when we start reading about David, man, we see these words all the time. It's not uncommon to hear. It says, so David asked the Lord. Like David was in this habit of when he had a big decision or when he had something that was going on or a problem in his life, he was just in the habit of asking the Lord, what should I do? What should I do? Where should I go? Should I do this, yes or no? Like he was just in the habit of going to God first. And so I just wanna look at this little story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter five, uh, verse 19. And so David is getting ready to go into this big battle with the Philistine army and he's, uh, you know, his troops are ready, everybody's in the armor, they are lined up ready to go. And it says in verse 19, it says, so David asked the Lord, Should I go out and fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And so the first thing he does, before he does anything else, he says, wait a minute, let's ask God. What does God say we should do? He asks the Lord, and he's specific with God, should I go and will I win, right? And then here's what it says just, uh, and the next line down, it says, the Lord replied, Now just, I wanna wait for just a second there because there's just this beautiful thing that we could skip over so easily. It says, so David asked and the Lord replied. Now what happens in this space? (laughs) Ooh, he had to wait, right? You know what waiting tastes like? What does it taste like? a peanut butter sandwich. We hate waiting, don't we? We just hate it. And so David was so good about this, he would ask God what to do, and then he would wait. For the Lord to actually give him an answer means he waited and he listened for God to reply. So we have to do this. We're gonna have to eat a peanut butter sandwich every now and then and just swallow what's tough and wait for the answer. And so God says this to him, yes, go ahead. I'm gonna give you the victory. Like, that's pretty good. Well, I'm glad we waited for that answer, right? And so, and so, but then David didn't just ask and he didn't just listen for an answer. He also obeyed what God said. And so the very next line says, so David went, right? These are just habits we have to put into place if we wanna be in the presence of God who's holy and who's sovereign and who knows what's coming next, we have to be able to ask him what his plan is. 
and we have to be willing to wait for a minute for the answer, and then when he gives us the answer, we have to be ready to obey what he says that we're supposed to do. This is something that David did, and I think it was part of the reason why he got to be in the presence of God, because he was willing to put God exactly where he belonged. Right? And he knew that in the presence of this God, that this is where he stood. I'm, I'm nowhere near equal with God. And so this is what we talk about a lot. We call it making God Lord of our life. Right? And this is what David did. Making God Lord of our life means I'm looking at God and saying, God, you are holy. God, you are good. God, you know everything. You're the creator of all things, and I am not. Right? but I wanna close the gap, and so God, I'm asking you what your plan is. Not to bless my plans, but God, what is your plan? And it's understanding that God's plan is not a plan, it is the plan, right? (laughs) It's not just an option, it is the only option. God's plan is the way. And so David did this, he saw God and he said, you know what to do, we're gonna wait, and when you give us the answer, then we'll go and we'll obey. We have to be willing to do these things if we wanna be in God's presence. We've gotta give him thanks for who he is. We've gotta praise him just for being a God that's good, for a God that works miracles and does great things. And we have to be willing to make him Lord of our life, to ask him what the plan is, and to follow through and obey, right? You having fun? Is your mouth sticky yet? We had a few peanut butter sandwiches already. So the next thing I think David did with God is he gave credit to God. He gave credit to his creator. If we look at this same story, so David's like this mighty warrior, right? He's not just an okay warrior. He's really, really good. He's been victorious in a lot of battles. He's been successful just all over. People fear him because they know how how good he is in battle. And even going back to when he was a boy, defeating Goliath, I mean, David is a warrior. When he goes out, chances are he's going to win, right? And so it would be easy, I think, for David at the end of a battle to say, we did it, right? We overpowered them, we defeated them, we did it, or I did it. But look what David says, this is at the very end of this battle that he's just asked God, should we go, will we win? And God says, yep, go on ahead. So in 1 Samuel, Chapter five, verse 20, it says, this is David's response, the Lord has done it, right? Do you see that? Not we have done it, not I have done it. Who's done it? The Lord has done it, right? The Lord has done this. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So David takes this opportunity and this victory and he turns and says, that guy did it, right? How unnatural is that for us? When we've been victorious to turn and say, he's the one that did it. That's eating a peanut butter sandwich, man. That is like humbling himself completely and turning the spotlight to God and saying, it was God's power and God's might and God is the one that made us victorious. He took all of that that could have been his own credit and he turned it to his creator. Um, I think this is, if we see like masterpieces or if we see things that are just like awe-inspiring or things that we just can't even understand, we don't, we don't go and applaud the thing. We applaud who? 
the one who made the thing, right? We applaud the one that created the thing that's making us go, wow, this is amazing. Um, So my family and I, just about six weeks ago, we went to Europe and uh, we got to go to Amsterdam, which is just a really, really cool, cool place. And Amsterdam has tons and tons of museums, like all over the place. And they're all just state-of-the-art crazy museums. And I'm not a museum girl, really. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get a whole lot of joy from just walking through museums quietly and looking at things. But even, even me, I was walking through this museum. I'm like, wow, this, this is, there are so many just masterpieces in this one building. Um, and my mom was really excited because we were going to this one museum that had the portrait of Vincent van Gogh. And so we're walking through, and there it is. Um, and we're walking through and we're looking at all this art and we're looking and searching for this one picture that she really wants to see. And so like four hours later, we come around the corner and there's this crowd. And I'm like, well, that must be it. Like everybody's, everybody's crowding around to see it. And it's not very big, but you can get really close to it. And that's something that's kind of special, I guess. It wasn't in a glass case or anything. You can just walk almost right up to it. And so all these people are like taking selfies with him. And I'm like, that's so funny that you're taking a selfie with the original selfie. Like, that's so weird to me. Um, And so, uh, but I walk up to this painting and I'm like, okay, it's a painting, you know. Um, But as I got closer to it, I could see like the actual brush strokes on there. And you can see where maybe like he made a mistake and like maybe used his thumb to like smudge it out or to blend something in. So you can see all of these details in this thing and I'm standing there and I'm like, wow, like he did this. That's really amazing. And here I am and I'm so close to this creation, and it was just this really strange, um, unique experience for me to be like in awe, not of the painting, but of the guy that did it, and how close I felt to him just by being close to something that he created. And I think this is something that David did all the time. If you start reading through the Psalms, he starts telling you about nature, right? He says, look at the sky. Look at the rivers, look at the oceans, look at the mountains. And he's saying what? He's saying, man, look at all that God's created. And he's giving credit to God, like, wow, we get to be in the presence of God just through all these things that you've created. And it's just a cool thing to think about that God gives us these things so that we can notice him and as we come closer and we're just, wow. These things are amazing that somehow that makes us closer to God just through the things that he's created and just the way that it was with that painting that I felt, I felt like, man, I'm standing right here with Vincent Van Gogh. Like his breath was on this painting, right? His hands were right there and how cool that was to feel close to him through his creation. And this is what David did. He just gave credit to God all the time. You can just see it. Praise God. He's the one who did it. The Lord has done this for us. And so David was not, uh, he, was, he was just constantly doing this in his own life. And I think that we need to do the same thing, even if it feels like eating a peanut butter sandwich to us, to give credit to God for something that we think, man, I, I did that too. I was part of that but for us to give full credit to God where it's due is sometimes taking a little bite of a peanut butter sandwich, right? And so 
We can learn from all these things, but man, David wasn't a perfect person. He made tons of mistakes in his life, and so we see he's, he's won this major battle, and he's been victorious, and he's praising God, and it's not too far down in the scriptures that we hear, now he's stealing another man's wife. And not just that, but he gets her pregnant. And then he tries to hide the fact that he got her pregnant by bringing the husband home from battle. We'll, 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 just get the, we'll just get the other guy in here and get him in the mix. And when the guy doesn't follow through and do exactly what David thinks he should do, then he puts him in the front lines of battle and, and makes it so that the guy's gonna die, right? And then he says, oh, he died a noble death. What an, what an amazing martyr, you know? And so, man, do you see all these mistakes that David's making? Man, he's, he's stealing, he's coveting, he's covering things up and manipulating people to try to do things so that he can get his way. And this is the same guy that just a minute ago was praising God, he's done it. David wasn't perfect, but I think his response, that the prophet Nathan comes up to him and says, hey, Davy, like, hey, God's not pleased. Like, God is not happy with the choices that you're making. These are, these are not okay. And so we see, once David realizes that, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, it says, then David confessed, I have sinned against the Lord. Right? And so almost immediately, it doesn't show us that there was a whole lot of processing time. It just almost immediately, like, I've done something wrong, and what does he do? I'm confessing I've sinned against the Lord. And you know what it tastes like when we have to confess our sins? Peanut butter. A peanut butter sandwich. And this is just what David did. He went straight to God, and he said, I've made a mistake. I'm, I'm confessing my sin to you, and he's asking God for forgiveness. Um, and so God, of course, forgives him, but then we have to just remember that we can confess our sins to God, and God is always ready to, to forgive those sins, but then we have to be ready to accept the consequences for our sin. And so God says pretty much straight to him, like, hey, your sins have been forgiven, but you're going to have to pay for this one. And so the baby that's born ends up getting really sick, and David's praying, you know, God, thank you for forgiving my sins. Will you heal this baby? Will you make this baby well? And we, can, we find him, and he is just like in mourning, and he is on his knees, and he's fasting, and he's praying, God, please heal this baby. And God doesn't do it. The baby ends up dying and it's David's fault, right? Let that one sink in for just a second. That if I sin and my child's the one that dies as a result of that sin, how that probably felt to him. But I want us to look at his response. It says in, in verse 20 of First Samuel chapter 12, it says, so David got up from the ground, he washed himself, he put on lotions and he changed his clothes. And then, he went to the tabernacle, and what did he do? He worshiped. Man, that wouldn't be me. <laughs> I'll just tell you right now, if I sin and it costs my daughter her life, I don't think my first step after that is to get up and go worship God, right? That doesn't seem natural to me, but that, I think, is what made David the man after God's own heart. 
He put, day, he put God exactly where he belonged in his life and he knew that God was more important than anything, that being in God's presence was better than anything. And so ex- in this moment of grief and in this moment of just really horrible loss, it says he gets up and he cleans himself up and he goes straight to God and he worships him. And so that is what made David so special. And so when we're talking about just all of these practices, we're talking about giving thanks, we're talking about making God Lord of our life, we're talking about you know, confessing our sins, we're talking about giving credit to God. Really, when we start talking about all of these practices, what are we talking about? <laughs> it's worship. That's what this whole message is about, worship. And that's what David did. He worshiped God with his whole entire life. He worshiped God in the good times, in the hard times, in seasons where he was uncertain. David worshiped God with his entire life. And he did it just with some of these practices that he put in place that he just thanked God and praised him all the time. He asked God and he obeyed. And when he didn't, he asked for forgiveness and he confessed and he accepted the consequences, and he gave credit to God when he was supposed to. David worshiped, and here's how I'll tell you that I know that he was a worshiper of God, and that this space with God was more important to him than anything else. If we just look at Psalm 27, I think we'll see this special relationship between David's heart and God's heart. Um, And so just look at Psalm 27 with me. It says, this is David saying, the one thing that I ask of the Lord, the thing that I seek most, right? This is, he's saying this is bigger and this is better and this is more important than anything. The thing that I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord, what? To be in his presence all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. What's he saying? He's saying, I just want to spend time with God. I just want to be in his presence. I just want to look at him. I just want to meditate and just be still in front of him. I just want to be where God is. And so, um, And it says, in his tabernacle, I'm gonna offer sacrifices, right? I'm gonna bring the Lord as many gifts as I can, and I'm gonna do it with shouts of joy. I'm gonna do it with singing and with praising and lots of music. And so this was just David's, this was David's life. This is what he lived for. He lived to be in the presence of God, and he worshiped God through that. Um, And so what I think is so special, though, is if we go just a few lines down in Psalm 27, verse eight, we see this really like special interaction between God and with David. And it says, in in verse eight, it says, my heart has heard you say. And so this is David saying to God, my heart has heard your invitation. And what's the invitation from God? It says, come and talk with me. Isn't, Isn't that an amazing thing to think about that that's, that's what God wants most. My heart has heard you say, Lord, and what's he saying? Just come and spend time with me and talk with me and share your life with me. Let's laugh together. Let's sit down at the table together. Let's eat together. Let's be together. This is God's invitation, and that should be something that's amazing to us. That should be something that makes us go, wow, 
thank you. You're God who created everything and you wanna talk with me? Like, and so David is, I think, just in this place where he's like, wow, God wants to share this space with me. He wants me to come and talk to him. And then I love David's response. It says David responds, Lord, I'm coming, right? And I hope that that's my response, that if God says, Joy, come and just sit with me and talk with me and spend time with me, sit at the table with me, I would hope and pray that my answer is, Lord, I'm coming. I've got the map, right? I'm making the stops along the way that you've set up for me. I'm eating the peanut butter sandwiches that I have to eat so that I can learn and so that I can get what I need. But Lord, I'm coming, right? And I just, I have this image of what I think it might look like if I ever get to be just in the presence of God that way. Ooh, I almost dropped this. So I think just, As God invites me in, he says, hey, come on in, sit down. And I'm sitting at the table, and I can just see God, like, getting out a plate. And I can just kind of see God, like, tell me about your day. What's what's been going on? Tell me the good things. Tell me the bad things. Tell me the hard things. And he's taking out some bread. He's like, oh, that's good. That's great. Tell Tell me more. Keep going. Keep going. I have some peanut butter, and, <laughs> and I can just see myself like watching God and saying, oh God, a peanut butter sandwich? Like, I've had a few of those already. I think I'm, think I'm pretty good, and God's like, yeah, but this one's different. So he's spreading this peanut butter. He's like, so keep, keep talking to me. Tell me what's going on. And he's spreading a lot of peanut butter. <laughs> That's kind of a lot, God. And, and I'm thinking, okay, like, I'll eat this sandwich. It's what I need, right? But we're in the presence of God, right? We're in the presence of God. We're not just gonna get what we need. We're gonna get everything. So you know what God has? Oh, God, wait, he does. God has jelly, woo! Thank you, God. He's got jelly, and it's strawberry because that's the one that pleases the Lord the most. And he takes out this jelly. Oh, yeah, and it's cold, and it's perfect, and it's sweet. And he is just slathering it all over this sandwich while I'm sitting, and I'm just telling him all about my day, right? and I'm just waiting, now my mouth is watering, I can't wait to eat this sandwich with God, and so he takes it and he cuts it into triangles because that (laughs) is the way they do it in heaven. (laughs) I'm sure of it. And as he cuts this sandwich, he hands me a piece, right? And he takes a piece for himself, and I think we cheers them. and we take a bite. Mmm. And it's really good. Hang on. (laughs) It's really good. Mmm, God makes a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Anybody want some? Jane? I know you want one. Mmm. Thanks. All right, anybody else? Come on. (laughs) 
That's right. God's gonna give you everything you need and so much more. I got one more, anybody want it? Hmm, okay, I'll eat it later. Um, And this is what's so special, that this is the invitation we get from God, right? Come and talk to me. I'm still licking peanut butter off my lips. Come and talk to me. Come and spend time with me. Come be in my presence. It's what he's always wanted. It's what he's always designed us and created for us to make our destination, our life. And I think if we'll just put some of these practices in place, we'll find that we're taking these steps, right? And we're making these stops. And I think we'll find ourselves like David in the presence of God. And we'll have everything that we need and so much more. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you and praise you just for being a God who allows us to be in your presence. We thank you for just being a God who's, who's not just allowing it, but that you're making a way and you're showing us the way to get to you, God. And we just thank you for Jesus who makes that possible. We thank you for his life and we thank you just for um, the sacrifice that he made so that we can come boldly to you, God. And I pray just as this week goes on, I pray that we would thank you and praise you just for who you are and the things that you're doing, that we would recognize the great things in our lives and give you praise for them. I pray that we would be willing to ask you what to do and that we would be ready to obey. I pray that we would just see you in everyday life and that we would give credit to you, the creator, God, for everything that you've made. And I pray that we would be willing to confess when we make a mistake and take the consequences of that and understand that that's just a stop along the way. It's just necessary. And it's something that's just gonna get us closer and closer to you. And so I just pray that you would just open our eyes to you this week and that you would help us to to take those steps to be in your presence, God. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for letting me share today. Um, If you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, this girl just talked for 30 minutes about worship and never once mentioned music or songs or anything like that, I'm so confused. If you'll come back next week, we're going to talk just a little bit about music and singing and and praising God in that way and how that works in the kingdom. And we also have a night of worship coming up, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, July 26th. So I hope you'll come to that. It's gonna start at seven o'clock. You can bring your whole family, bring some friends, and we're gonna really practice trying to be in the presence of God and doing that as we collectively lift our hands and lift our praises and our voices together to him. So I hope you'll come and join us for that. Uh, That's it. Thanks for being here this week. We'll see you next week.